our reading this morning. Interestingly enough, our reading this morning is only three verses, but there are three verses that answer one of the most important questions of your life. How do you know what's right? How do you know what's true? Uh, This is particularly important coming in the light of what Jesus has just been saying. Because in Matthew 18, which we're working our way through, Matthew has just recorded Jesus saying, if you see someone sinning, go and tell them. If you see someone sinning, go and tell them. So the obvious question is, you know, how, how do I know what is sin and how sure am I about that? Because the goalposts seem to move, you notice that? We're going to talk about how the goalposts move a little bit. One of the real challenges for us is, have you noticed, we see the world differently. Peter Ellerton is the Senior Lecturer in Critical Thinking in the University of Queensland and he said this, we indiv- see if this sounds familiar, we individually tend to think of ourselves as clear thinkers and see those who disagree with us as misguided. We imagine that the impressions we have about the world come to us unsullied and unfiltered. We think we have the capacity to see things just as they really are and that it's the others who have confused perceptions. As a result, we might think our job is simply to point out where other people have gone wrong in their thinking rather than engage with a rational dialogue allowing for the possibility that we might actually be wrong. This is such a a central question because too often uh, Christians have looked ideological and we tend to throw stones at people who don't think like us. I love the quote from Anne Lamott who says, uh, when you find that God hates all the same people you hate, there's a good chance you've made God in your own image. When you find that God hates all the same people you hate, there's a good chance you've made God in your own image. Or to put it another way, when God just keeps agreeing with you about everything, he's actually not God in your life. You are. And so this is why this is such a central question. How do we know what's right? We, as a church, at the start of this little subset of this journey through Jesus' teaching, we we asked the question, what are the things that get in the road of us being one? And we came up with a a whole plethora of things, and we'll just chuck them up on the screen for you. This is a couple of weeks ago. uh, here. And what do you notice is right at the middle? This is from us here at Citywide. What do you notice is right at the middle? Different opinions. Central to our understanding is we want to follow Jesus in every area of our life, but what happens when we've got different opinions of what that means? One of the, uh, I think there's, there's a whole lot of complicated questions facing the church. Would you agree with that? If you think about what are some of the complicated questions that are facing the church or even facing you because if we're going to talk about how do we work out what's right let's let's work out you know in what arenas arenas do we have to work that out so we're going to toss up the question 
on, on the slide there. What issues are the most complex for you to know what is right or wrong? I think this is an important question. It's great. We've had uh, 19 different responses. You can see these are all some of the, the complicated things we struggle to work out how to know what is right or what is wrong. And that's exactly what Jesus now goes to address uh, in Matthew chapter 18. So let's, let's dive in and see what Jesus says about how we work out what's right or wrong. Matthew 18, verse 18. Uh, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It seems as though what he's doing is saying, you decide. That's a bit of a recipe for disaster, isn't it? But it does seem that that's what he's saying. He's saying, whatever you bind on earth, we bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, we loosed in heaven. It is clearly true, and brace yourself for this. It is clearly true that Jesus is actually delegating authority to the church. Is that scary? And the authority he is delegating seems to be about what kind of behaviour is right and wrong. Here's what one Greek scholar who's done the work, and he says this is what Jesus means by this whole binding and loosing thing. He says this, the binding and loosing is best understood as having to do with the regulation of behaviour. It has to do with bringing to bear on the lives of those who would be disciples, that would be us, the significance of all that Jesus was and brought. So right there, it's clear that it's not, let's, let's work out what our opinion is. It's this, this question of, okay, if I was to take Jesus seriously, is kind of what, the, what he's saying this means. Having been instructed by Jesus, the church is able to prohibit and command in a manner that is backed by God himself. In the context of the attempt to bring back an erring brother or sister, which we've just been talking about, the specific point will be that the church is able to confirm the standard of behaviour to which the erring one is being called to conform once more. So we're going to talk more about how this works, but it, it does seem that there is this counter-cultural responsibility that we have as a church to work out what's right and wrong. And if we're to be honest, I, I want to talk about, we haven't always been brilliant at that, have we? So what do we do about that? If, the, if Jesus is saying, here's the keys, what's he, what's he saying? Well, a couple of things. We need to understand a couple of things as we come to this discussion. Because cultures change uh, and people change, there will always be new questions about what faithfulness means. And Jesus giving the church authority means that the church has to work out in this time, at this place, in this culture. What does it mean to be faithful to Jesus? This is, so the question isn't, again, it's not what do we think. 
The question is always, what does it mean to be faithful to Jesus in this time and place? And there are two mistakes the church can make when it comes to working out what is right and what is wrong. Because there are two stories that are easy to fall into when we talk about what is right and what is wrong. The first story is the story of what the Bible calls the world. The world is the system we all live in. It's what you see when you turn on your TV or go to school or it's it's often one way of describing it, it's the majority opinion, but even, even then it's often not the majority opinion, it's the opinion of those who are most influential. It's, the, it's, it's what, how things are kind of meant to be out there and, and how, when you're weird, if you don't sort of conform to the world, it's because you're not you know, matching what people think you should be. That's the world, if you know what I mean. So one of the dangers throughout history is that the church has just adapted to what the world says. Because Jesus teaches that Satan himself is the prince of this world. And if we want to be faithful to Jesus, then we we need to have a value system that comes from somewhere else rather than the world. That's clear. The other mistake we can make is that uh, previous generations have in their time, at their place, in their culture, have had to work out what's right. And we can, without thinking and without doing the work, ignore our responsibility delegated by Jesus to bind and loose in this time and just copy what previous generations have done. I've got some good news for you. Baptists can now dance. Well, actually, if we're to be honest... Probably the majority of Baptists can't dance, but at least we're allowed to dance these days. Uh, because at, at one time, in one place, in, in a different time and space, as Christians were wrestling with what it means to be faithful, the church said it's not right to dance. Now, we can define ourselves against the past, but that's not helpful. Our task is to work out what does it mean to be faithful to Jesus in this time and place. Jesus doesn't leave it there. He's not saying, you know, just go for it. Very, what's the first word of verse 19? Again. What do you think Jesus means by again? I've just said it, now I'm going to say it a different way. Again. Truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Again, this is going to be countercultural, and you're going to have to wrestle with this uh, because this is not what we believe to be in, in the, the story of the world. What Jesus is saying here is not how things work. What he is clearly saying is that the discernment of truth or the discernment of what's right is not up to how you feel about it. It is not a solo game. And just to make it clearer, this is one of those times where our English translation doesn't help us much because we have one word for agree, whereas the Greek word for agree here 
is means something like normally when we think of the word agree we think the same don't we we sort of you're thinking thinking the same the greek word here is symphonio which is a different kind of agreement the the actual definition of the word symphonio uh, is the harmonious sound of many musical instruments it's not where everybody's thinking and talking and acting the same. It is the wrestle of people with integrity, mature people, saying, I'm not going just to say, say what I think you want me to say. I'm going to work together. We're going to work out under Jesus what is right. It is a wrestle. Jesus is inviting us to the wrestle of determining what is right. And it will always mean wrestling against the story of the world and also wrestling against the story of our past it is the wrestle together but this beautiful picture of symphonio sound like any english word imagine going to an orchestra that only had piccolos that'd be awful wouldn't it but this is actually the picture of the church we're meant to be God's great symphony where we don't just go along where we don't just repeat the stories of the past or adapt to the story of the world where we do the wrestling work together of discerning what God's will is. And whenever the church has been at its best, that's what the church did. Whenever the church has been at its best, it wrestled together throughout generations it didn't just go for the quick and easy answer. And I, for our benefit, we have in the book of Acts, and I encourage you to turn to Acts chapter 15, we have the, the first recorded church council. There was actually a whole bunch of church councils through history where the church wrestled together around complicated questions. This was the first time the church had to come together and put Jesus' teaching into practice about symphonio agreeing what is right and what is wrong. You see, verse 1, Acts 15, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Saying to all the boys in the audience, sorry, you can't follow Jesus unless you have a painful little operation. And Paul and Barnabas stood up and said, no. No. That's not the gospel. And I imagine they had Jesus' words in Matthew 18 ringing through their head and so they went and confronted them. Didn't work. So both groups went up and took it to the church. They took it to the leadership of the church at the time. It says, so Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go to Jerusalem. So let's have a look at what the church did in trying to work out what was right. The first thing they did, well, I think it's assumed that the first thing they did is probably prayed, but it actually doesn't say that. The first thing they did is they started naming what God is up to in this time and place right now. I love the psalm, a constant theme in the psalms is that God is up to a new thing. In every time, in every generation, God is up to a new thing. And so they started saying, look, what is God up to? 
and then they take time. And again, this is where we in the church, I think we've got to apologise to, to those who have been badly affected by our quick, quick reactions and cliched responses where we haven't taken the time to deal with complicated questions. They take time. They actually said, it says, after much discussion. Let's have a look. Acts 15, 4-7. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. I think, does it parenthetically, it's just so important for us to continually be aware of what God is actually doing. Not what we think he should be doing or what we wish he'd be doing, but what God is actually doing amongst us. So that's what they reported. Some of the, then some of the believers who belonged to the party, the Pharisees, stood up and they put their side of things and the apostles and the elders meant to consider the question. After much discussion, Peter gets up and tells his side of the story and then the council comes to a conclusion when the chairman summarises what, the chairman at this point is Jesus' little brother James, the chairman summarises what has emerged in the dialogue and then names how it aligns with the Bible. So the chairman summarises what's emerged in the dialogue and then talks about, okay, how does this actually align with Scripture? I, I, I think... It's just tragic when we Christians don't do the work to wrestle. And let's talk about what the wrestle looks like. A man studied the life of John Wesley and, and named what he called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. don't know if you've come across this. Uh, what this guy saw John Wesley doing is he, was, he wrote all kinds of pamphlets about public health, about education, about all kinds. He was dealing with the complicated issues of his day and he said, as I see him do it, these are the things he's putting in place. And as you look at the New Testament church, they're the things they're doing together too. They're, they're naming what their actual experience is. Then they're talking about what the tradition is. They're using reason and they're fundamentally measuring all of that against Scripture, inspired by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the wrestle we're invited to. All these things matter. In, as we wrestle with complicated issues in our life, we can know a few things. One is, it will always be a combination of both grace and truth. As we wrestle with complicated issues in our life, the outcome, if it's from God, will always be a combination of grace and truth. How do we know that? Because Jesus is full of both grace and truth. In almost all complicated arguments, there are people who go to one side of that equation or the other. People want to go to the grace side of things, others want to go to the truth side of things, then they meet in the middle and fight. Sorry, you can't be a follower of Jesus and ignore either grace or truth. That's why it'll always be a wrestle. Because this side of eternity, living from grace and truth is complicated. Another way we can test if we're on the right track is that 
our wrestling will produce truth that is really life-giving. Our wrestling will produce truth that is really life-giving. Jesus said, everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Your life won't get washed away when you build your life on Jesus. Or the Apostle Paul said, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness and self-control. He said, one of the ways, he said, here's a list of things to look at if, when you're going off track but a way to know that you're on track is that your behaviour will be producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness and self-control. The outcome of that council meeting was grace and truth. We see James saying, it's my judgment therefore that we shouldn't make it difficult for the Gentiles. Our task is to enter the wrestle of living in the real world with real questions, with real people and avoiding the cliches. You might be a grace person who just wants to give everybody a hug or you might be a truth person who wants to kick everybody up the backside. But you, whichever side of that equation you're on, you're going to need to work on the other side. But most of all, it is something you, we do together. It is something we do together. So what does that mean? Well, we've been talking about them for a while. I believe you need to find a kingdom cell. I, need, I believe you need at least two or three other people where you can wrestle together with how do I hold my marriage together or uh, how do I be a dad at this stage of my life or how do I... Where you get to discern together and wrestle together with the real questions of your life. And preferably that kingdom, so this has happened throughout church history, that whenever the church has been at its best, people wrestling with the same sorts of questions will get together and wrestle with them together. I've just labelled that kingdom cells. That is not the only kind of fellowship you need. You need fellowship with the broader body of Christ as well, but you do need fellowship with people where you can wrestle together. That is one picture of what this means for you because there are complicated questions in your life. Can you agree with that? And the more you try and work them out in the head, the more you'll go round and round in circles. You need friends. It's what Jesus is saying. And you need to be honest with those friends about the real questions you're facing in your life. Not, it's not simple, but it, it is the truth. I love that we as a church, the, all this is our intent. That's why we have membership. And our intent, we don't always get it right, our intent is as a church, and I encourage you, if you're interested in being a member, grab one of these and talk to us. Our intent is that together we work out the complicated question of where Jesus is leading us and what the church, the future for the church is. It is something we wrestle with together. That the heart of the Baptist churches is that, that intent. And one of the particular things for us as a church, don't know if you've noticed, we have different cultures amongst us at Citywide Baptist Church. And what that necessarily means is being faithful as a follower of Jesus may be different if you're a Nepalese person in a Nepalese culture in predominantly Hindu background than trying to reach out and be mates with Aussies in an Australian culture. 
And so one of the complications we as we work out what does it mean to be one church, this binding and loosing task will sometimes be different for the Nepalese congregation as it is for the Australian congregation. For instance, because of some of the complications and history in the culture, the Nepalese congregation uh, uh, firmly believe it is right for them to bind themselves from the use of alcohol. And what they would say is for their congregation, they do not want to be Christians and drink alcohol. And that is for them what it means to be faithful. It's one, one of the things, this is where we often have culture clashes. It's really important for us not to go, oh, well, you know, you should think like us. No, they are responsible and they understand the nuances of, of the Nepalese culture much better than we do. And it is the task of the church to wrestle under Jesus with what is right and what is wrong. And if you think God always agrees with you, the God you're talking about isn't God. It is the task of the church to do that kind of wrestling. And I love this final verse. Jesus promises this. Listen. Where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Jesus invites us into the complicated work of working out what is right and what is wrong, but to do it in his name. It is never about what is your opinion or what is comfortable. It is always about, Jesus, what does it mean for us to be faithful to your name? And in a particular way, he promises a particular blessing for people who are willing not just to go with the answers from the past or not just to go with the answers from the world, but to do the work of the wrestle. Our church, we we want Jesus actually to be Lord of our church, don't we? Well, if that's to be true, we need to be ready to step into the wrestles. And there'll be lots of them. There are going to be wrestles for you personally. There's going to be wrestles for us as a church. There's going to be wrestles for the Baptist churches in the state. There's going to be wrestles for the church. I love the level of fellowship that Dan and I uh, experiencing on with the Eastern Shore churches. We're often, we're often getting together and just wrestling with really complicated questions. But there's a kind of fellowship we have that is building and beautiful amongst the churches in the Eastern Shore. This... This is the fun job of being a follower of Jesus. Who wants to, a kind of religion that doesn't relate to the real questions of life? Let's make sure we don't just repeat the history or adapt to the world, but to do the work of asking Jesus, Jesus, what is your will? Knowing that it will always be both grace and truth. Don't you, we're going to need his help, don't you, don't you think? But this is what a church meeting is meant to be. This is what a kingdom cell is meant to be. This is what a, a, any gathering of Christians is meant to be. And I love it. This is what it means to be faithful, to do the work. 
and not go for the cliches. Let's pray. Jesus, we acknowledge sometimes it's just easier to do what the world says is normal. It's also sometimes just easier not to, just to, to do what our parents and grandparents said is normal. Help us not just go for the, the cliche. Help us not just go with the history. Help us not just go with the world. But Jesus, we want to go with you. We want you to shape us. So as we together step into the, the various wrestles, the various very real questions that you've got in front of us, save us from the pride of trying to work it out on our own. Help us have the real kind of fellowship where we work it out together. And help us as we do that to be seeking your truth, not our own opinions. We ask this in your name.